I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, Psalms 20. Psalm 20. Now, we have been spending a bit of time in this psalm in our prayer meetings and in other contexts. And I thought today I'd bring a fuller message from it, a more developed message from this very amazing psalm. Let's read together Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. This psalm is an extraordinary psalm. There are some amazing promises. And somehow it's an invitation to all of us to enter into the promises of God, which are, of course, the promises of the kingdom, particularly in times of difficulty and trial. The background to this psalm is the king is preparing for battle. There's some urgency, something that needs to be defended, some ground that needs to be taken back. And so the king is preparing for battle. And as he prepares for battle, the people pray for him. The Psalms, as I'm sure many of you know, is a kind of liturgy of ancient Israel. It was their worship life recorded in poetry, songs, and prayers affirmations. And how interesting that embedded in this liturgical presentation, the, the, the prayer life of ancient Israel, are so many prayers for the king. We need to know straight away that this is echoed also in the New Testament. There are passages in the New Testament that say, pray for kings and all who are in authority not just those who belong to your political party, for in the days of the Bible there were no political parties um, at all, Uh, and actually the king who was probably around at that time was a very bad one by the name of Nero, but nevertheless the believers were called to pray for those in authority. And I think that's so important for us. We have something that those outside of the Christian community do not have. They don't have prayer. 
They may have all kinds of other things, but they don't have prayer in the way we know it. They, they will complain. They will protest. They will do all kinds of things, but pray. Now, we as believers should leave all the rest alone and pray, and pray for our government. So important, so important at this time. And, you know, one of the blessings, hidden blessings, of difficult times, uh, uh, and we witness this when we pray for things that happen in different nations. Sometimes there are wars or tragedies or, or, or disasters, and, you know, something good can come out of it when the whole world of believing prayers combine together and unite to pray for that country. I think when we get to heaven, we will see some action replays of what happened as a result of us praying for the nation during coronavirus, for example. Who knows? But that, that focused, concentrated prayer is God's way, or, or the coronavirus is God's way of giving focused, concentrated prayer at a time like this, which will produce something which is beyond our understanding right now. But also, the Bible teaches us that we should pray for your Christian leaders, your spiritual leaders. The Apostle Paul is always asking for prayer. And Amanda and I, and we are always asking for prayer. And thank God we get it. You people do pray. And there are many, many times when I'm minding my own business, doing my own thing, you know, doing what needs to be done. And then suddenly there'll come a, a kind of move in my spirit, a kind of awakening, a kind of touch from God and my I think, wow, what's happening? And I'm sure in moments like that, people are praying for me. And so continue to do that. Uh, uh, we need to pray for one another, and we need to pray for those in authority over us. Because it is especially those who rule over us politically or lead us spiritually, they are those who protect and serve they are those who supply and bless, and they are those who minister to us. And in this way, God's purposes come into our lives. Many people think that their individual relationship with Jesus means they don't need to come under any form of spiritual authority, especially in today's world when you can church surf on the internet and float all around the, the, the internet universe and never settle anywhere which is the place where God has called you to be in relationship with one another, to be developing community, albeit mainly at this time online community, but nonetheless a real community of connected people in the Holy Spirit in alignment with one another and in alignment with a leadership that is receiving from the Lord and imparting blessing and strength and guidance and direction for the people of God. Now, I want you to notice the very genuine kingdom context of this psalm. It was all about the king. So, where there's a king, there's a kingdom. And so, the success of the king is the success of the kingdom. Now, the kings in ancient Israel were God's representatives in establishing an earthly manifestation of the kingdom of God. 
In the Old Testament times, it was a theocratic kingdom ruling geographically over a physical people as such, one race mainly. But in the New Testament, the kingship of Jesus is expressed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, but the principles of kingdom are just the same. So it's a kingdom context. Now, the prayers, the people who are praying this prayer, are aligning themselves with the success of the kingdom. That's what they want. They are looking for the kingdom to increase. They're looking for blessing and prosperity, victory and peace and strength. They're looking for that, and they are therefore focused very much on the kingdom. Now, I think we miss this a little bit today because we don't have quite the same kingdom awareness. We somehow mix a little bit with uh, different wishes and desires and plans and programs. And sometimes we can, we can confuse, for example, our denomination with the kingdom of God. Or we can confuse our programming with the kingdom of God. Or our ministry with the kingdom of God. No, when we are truly orientated and aligned up with the kingdom, all of these things, denominations and churches and fellowships and ministries, are an expression of the kingdom that comes out of a desire for the kingdom of God to come in our hearts and lives, central to our faith. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives on this earth as it is in heaven. And so what basically the central thrust of this psalm is all about is align yourself with the kingdom purposes of God and do so as a community. And when you do that, there are untold blessings, extraordinary blessings, which flow when you are lined up with the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in your life by the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at some of them. Verse 1, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. Hmm, now there's a good place to start. May the Lord answer you when you're in distress. Are you in distress? Now, some may not wish to admit that. But I've seen enough to know that there is a lot of stress anyway, which soon leads to distress. And I, I, I want to say to you, I want to encourage all of you today, including leaders. Listen to me. There are some leaders out there that need to hear this. De-stress. Don't distress. De-stress. I see some key leaders beginning to fold. Don't fold. Rise up. Come on, leaders. God is with you. Don't lose heart. Be encouraged. Persevere. We're going to get through this, and we're going to be fruitful in it, and we're going to prosper after it. Can I have a big amen in the house of God? Yes, we are. And how do I know that? Because one of the biggest blessings of the kingdom is answered prayer. Praise God. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. Now, this presupposes that when we are troubled, we take it to the Lord in prayer. We don't just call up and complain with our best friend who becomes our worst enemy because we've complained too much in their ear. 
We take it to the Lord with the confident expectation that God is going to answer us. I want to tell you, now, I had to say it three times in the nine o'clock service just before people got it. I'll try again. Give me strength, Lord. Are you ready? Okay. God is going to answer your prayer. Oh, you got it. You got it. You got it. No, really, God is going to answer your prayer. This is his will. When you cry out to him, he is going to answer you. He is going to fulfill what your needs are. He is going to meet you at your point of need. He's going to answer you, and there is absolutely no doubt about that, and he's going to answer in such a way as it will be, the answer will be even better than the prayer. Have you found that? When God answers prayer, he makes my prayer look so small because the answer is bigger than what I ask for. Because God who sees everything, he knows your needs better than you can articulate it yourself. Let me tell you a quick story about that. <laughs> it just comes to my mind. Um, many years ago when we were ministering in Kenya and we saw all those amazing miracles in the Rift Valley, uh, the second day of the meeting, there were so many miracles the night before that, 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 that the, the, the ground where we were holding our open-air meeting was packed hours before we even got there. Uh, and we couldn't even find our way to the platform to preach. We were just loosed amongst the crowd praying for the sick. There were miracles, blind eyes opening. A woman um, blind for 70 years was walking uh, and seeing and, and great miracles. And, and a, a friend of mine or a partner with me, and, and we were short of um, interpreters. I think it was Kikuyu language, short of interpreters. And so this guy was pointing to his teeth. So it's okay, Lord. All right, there's no dentists here that I know of. Oh, Lord, bless this man's teeth. Amen. And he got very happy, so he pointed to the platform where he would go and give a testimony. This man was deaf and dumb from birth. <laughs> and he was instantly healed. And all we said was, Lord, help this man's teeth. <laughs> now, sometimes God's answers are bigger than your prayers. That's why you should be bold enough to ask God for big things and believe him for big things because our God is able. Can I have a strong amen in the house of God? And so it says, the name of the God of Jacob will protect you. He will send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. I love this. The sanctuary refers to the Holy of Holies in the temple in ancient Israel. It's the place where God chose to manifest his presence. It wasn't just an empty space where people got together to meditate on the transcendent God of the universe. It was a place where they could meet with God himself. And the fact that God descended on the cloud of glory and filled that holy space with his presence, that in itself was a promise of a greater manifestation to come. 
and the greater manifestation, his name is Jesus. Because the Bible says that he tabernacled amongst us. The word was made flesh and he dwelt amongst us. A clear picture of that ancient tabernacle of glory where God's presence came and filled that tent of meeting. Now, in the person of Jesus Christ, God comes down and manifests himself and the kingdom comes with him. So when it says, may God answer you out of his sanctuary, it means that out of the fullness of the presence of God amongst us, first of all in the God-man, Jesus Christ, who came into this world and went back to be with the Father till he returns. And then secondly, with the Holy Spirit, who comes and fills our lives. We are in the presence of God every moment of every day. And God is in us every moment of every day. In other words, the God who so manifests himself from the manifestation of his presence, of that, from that fullness, he blesses us. For when God comes, he brings everything he is with him. All that we need flows from the presence of God, which is why during this coronavirus, whatever else you do, mask, face, space, do it all in the presence of God. Then it says, may you remember all your sacrifices and accept all your burnt offerings. What this was, was that there would be a, a ritual worship session. Before battle, the king would gather the nobles together and he would offer sacrifices and call upon the name of God. God, rescue us in time of battle. God, deliver us from our enemies. Make us victorious. But it was not just a prayer request. It was a conversation in which the king would receive from the Lord battle directives. You read this in the Old Testament many, many times. When David would seek God for the strategy. And this is how we win through in difficult times. By hearing from God what God wants us to do. His specific instructions, being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. And in that way, the specifics of God's plan for your life will unfold step by step. You don't know the end from the beginning, but he does. And as you obey him step by step, listen to him and pour out your heart as an offering before him, God will hear and answer your prayer. He will remember your sacrifices. Now in the second part, it goes, it goes even deep and it blows my mind. And I read this and I read this and I thought, where have I heard this before? And of course, it's so obvious. Verse four, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Verse 5, may the Lord grant all your requests. Amen? Is that right? We'll shout for joy when you are victorious. Lift up a banner in the name of the Lord. May the Lord grant all your requests. May the Lord grant all your requests. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Where have we heard this before? Yeah, that's a good start. 
Very good. As I was going more to the New Testament, bless you. I was going more to the New Testament. How about Mark eleven twenty four? Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. It's almost as if Jesus is commenting on Psalm 20. And he's saying, don't just think this is for King David because the greater king is here and the kingdom is here and this is for you, all you who are kingdom-minded, all you who are lined up with the kingdom and moving forward in the purposes of the kingdom. Every kingdom purpose shall succeed and every kingdom prayer shall be answered. When you pray it, believe you have received it. And it will be yours. How about this? John 15, verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Huh? He will give you the desire of your heart. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Here we have what it is really like to be in spiritual alignment with the kingdom of God, connected to the community of the kingdom. That's what churches are, communities of the kingdom of God, with the structures and spiritual authority and power that is manifested through the body of Christ. And there, as you are connected in the community, lined up with your leadership and with the fellowship of your brothers and sisters, with one heart, one mind, one purpose, the kingdom of God, in that place, your plans will succeed, all of them. Your wishes will be fulfilled, all of them. Why? Is this a way of saying, do you know what? If I can just find myself there, I can get whatever I want. What do I want? A Rolls Royce? Maybe not, but I just, I've been wanting that BMW. And I will ask God for that. And it means anything that I want. No, 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 no. It's not talking about your human fleshly desires. It's talking about your heart filled with the Spirit of God, filled with that which glorifies God, the desire for His glory. And in that place, there is so much power, so much authority in the name of Jesus that no need of yours will go unanswered, no request of yours will go unfulfilled. And the answers will often be much bigger and better than your prayers. For we only know in part, but God knows in full. And it's not about me, my demands, my fleshly desires. It's about what brings God glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, you got it. Now, don't think and maybe some of you are thinking, which might be why your amen was a little delayed. And the thing is, well, you know, here's my desires. And that's what I really want. That's what I really, really, really want. And here's God's will. So I know what this is about. This is about God's desires for me are so different from mine that it's going to take me a long time to accept that. I'd rather my will thank you very much. No, 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 no. First of all, don't think that what you desire deeply for yourself in your truest moments 
is vastly different from what God desires. God knows you. God knows what you need. God knows what's going to bless you. He knows how he made you and how to fulfill you. And so just think, don't you think, well, if it's God's will, it's got to be awful. I'll tell you something. You will discover that God's will is best, really best, and you'll be so happy that you didn't opt for your own will. And the other thing is this. Yeah, it might be that some of the things that we wish for and dream for may never happen. May never happen. But I'll tell you what will happen. In the future kingdom of God, everything will be recompensed. A payday is coming. The day of recompense is coming. And at that moment, every injustice will be corrected. Every unfulfilled wish will be superlatively fulfilled. And in the meantime, we're happy with Jesus. God is enough. More than enough. We sang that as one of our lines in our worship songs today. Okay, so here we go. It goes on. Uh, verses 6 and onward says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. <laughs> no, the prayer hasn't finished yet. Maybe we're learning a lot about prayer today or rehearsing some truths about prayer. The prayer hasn't finished. Can you see that? But he says, now I know the Lord's answers. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. And what this is, is this experience that we all know when we pray and persist in prayer, there comes a moment in the midst of the prayer when we know we have the petition for which we are asking God. We know that God has answered prayer even before we see it. As Jesus says, Mark eleven twenty four, when you pray, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You receive it when you ask. And here is the assurance. And this is the assurance we need now. Do you have it? Have you prayed through to the point where you can say, now I know, Lord, that this coronavirus is not going to destroy anything of my life. This coronavirus is not going to throw me off track. This coronavirus is not going to put me on the other side of God's will. I know that God has heard my prayer. I believe that I will rise up and I will prosper and I'll be victorious in the midst of this. I'll be patient. I'll endure and I shall be blessed. Now I know he saves his anointed. Have you got to that place yet? I can tell you. If you get to that place, you are going to be medicine to everybody in the street. They will see your teeth smiling behind your mask. And they will say, what are you so happy about? How dare you to be so happy? And say, his name is Jesus. Amen? We will have something. We'll not be just joining the critics and the destroyers around and the, and, and the people who just do nothing but complain and dampen people's enthusiasms. We will rise up. And we will rejoice in the midst of tribulation. 
me tell you a story of a friend of mine, a young man who lost his job at the very beginning of lockdown in March, April. And this had the potential in many ways of ruining him. Uh, but instead of caving in, this, this guy, to my knowledge, is not a believer. I think he's on the way. Instead of caving in, he said, you know what? I'm going to go for it. My job is gone, and I'm going to bring forward a plan that I had devised for four years from now when I would move out of my current job and I will go into my own business. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go for it now. And within six months, his business is established during lockdown and he is prospering and the business is doing well from scratch within six months. Yeah, give God praise. And, and, and you know, this is, this is somebody who is not necessarily using the kingdom principles. This is somebody who's just saying, I've had enough of being nothing. I've had enough of being pushed down. I've had enough of disappointments. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to do something. And I'm going to be successful. Now, this is perhaps the blessing of God. I'm pretty sure it is. But in that man's mind, he, he doesn't understand some of the kingdom principles, but he's linking into them maybe unconsciously, but it's he's flourishing. And I, it was yesterday or the day before, he said to me, oh, I'm so happy about uh, the coronavirus. And I said, what are you happy about? And he said, because it has forced me to be creative and to find solutions that I would never have seen had I not been in this position. Now, there's somebody who is not, as I say, necessarily speaking from a position of faith in the way that we're talking today. How much more should we be like this? Church leaders should be dreaming big dreams now. What can we do that coronavirus has forced us to think about that we wouldn't have thought about Without it, not saying that, you know, we just, it's making light of coronavirus, but forcing us to rise up and find new ways of reaching the lost, new ways of expressing and teaching. And, you know, it was a miracle. Within three days, the entire Christian community went online. We've been doing live streaming for ages, but Zoom was nothing in my mind at all. Even now, I don't understand it. I just press the button and I can talk to whoever I want to. It's amazing. It's a miracle. What what are the possibilities right now of your situation? What creative thoughts will the Holy Spirit give you that you can break out of your mold, the stuff that you didn't want to follow anyway? You were stuck in a rut, but now by the grace of God, coronavirus is making you think, making you pray, making you cry out to God, and you are receiving revelation that will drive your life forward and bear fruit for years to come. Thanks be to God for coronavirus. You get what I'm saying? You do? Well, give Jesus a praise then. But now we come to the, to the crux of the matter. Everything that I said so far will be meaningless and useless without this thing. So listen up. And here it is, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Wow. I don't know what was going on in the king's mind of uh, the little bit of research I did on this. Said that 
horses and chariots was the state of the art weaponry or equipment for war. Um, and not everybody had it. And certainly Israel did not always have that. And maybe the king did. It's a bit difficult to date this, this psalm as to when it was, 4th century BC, 2nd century BC, people are saying, but it, it doesn't really matter. The, the pr principle remains the same. If this king had access to horses and chariots, he would use them. Amen? You use what God gives you. You don't sit there and say, God, you do everything. You get up and do what you can do. Amen? You, you do the job hunting. You do the creative thinking. You do the research. Amen and amen. All right? But even when you amassed everything, and maybe the king said, I've got thousands of horses and chariots, but I'm not going to trust any one of them because I'm trusting God. Or maybe he had none. Maybe it was the enemy that had all the best weaponry. And I think today we're a little bit in that situation. If we're not careful, we can be envious of the wicked because they have the media, they have the educational system in their grip, they have the whole of society eating out of their hands, putting forward their ideas, and we are pushed to the margins and not taken seriously. In fact, the very things that we believe are the most disbelieved and despised beliefs in our generation. However, they may have the horses, they may have the chariots, but we have the name of the Lord and we can rise up in the name of the Lord and conquer and be victorious even against such outrageous odds. Can I have a strong amen in the house of God? Verse 8. They are brought to their knees and fall. Do you know... Which this message is about faith, you can see that. And my Bible says, and every man and woman of faith will agree, that everything that you see which is being constructed in opposition to the kingdom of God will fall. This world, is passing away. But we are receiving a kingdom that is eternal and unshakable. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. That's my word for you. As together we move into the next phase We've been through phase one. The next phase of this situation, it seems likely to be going on and affecting us for a while. We're going to be confronting this for a while. We're not going to let it limit us. We're going to rise up and be firm. We're going nowhere. We are staying here. We are persevering. We're continuing in prayer. We're continuing in fellowship. We're continuing to reach the lost, to build one another up, and to serve our community. We are going nowhere. We're going to rise up, be strong, and stand firm in the name of the Lord because our God is able and he is going to give us the victory and the prosperity that we need. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Then, verse 9, a summary for good measure. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. Get <laughs> just here. And amen echoing across the land. How interesting that for many, many decades now, we've been praying that prayer for our own queen, Elizabeth II, Her Majesty. God save our gracious queen. We have this prayer written into our national anthem. How wonderful, how wonderful that this is a reflection of a godly heritage and a queen who loves God. And our prayer is that will spread, not just from the royal family, but touch every person who is in leadership over us, that there would be a godly leadership that honors God. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it will depend on how we pray.